wisdom rise ancestors surround us rise. welcome to advancing the art of aging i'm carol silver elliott president and ceo of the jewish home family a continuum of services for older adults located in northern bergen county new jersey And I am delighted to welcome one of my very favorite people as our guest today, Susan Ryan, with the Greenhouse Project. And I would like to first start, Susan, not only by welcoming you, but also asking you to just talk a little bit about what is the Greenhouse Project? Well, first of all, Carol, this is such a delight to be talking by phone, but to just anytime I can connect with you, it's always a, a pleasure for me. So thanks for having me. Thank you. Um, the, the Greenhouse Project for me is probably the most significant radical transformation that has hit long-term care ever, certainly within the last uh, 20, 30 years. And it's where we've really deinstitutionalized, destigmatized, and humanized care for elders and those living in our long-term care facilities. And it's where we really take the institution out physically. So taking a look at the physical environment to create a real home. It's where we philosophically have moved in a culture that is all about relationship-rich, person-directed living. That's meaningful life. And lastly, but certainly not least, it's really taking a look at the staffing, the workforce. And we believe that better jobs translate to better care. We believe that when you have an empowered workforce, empowered teams, you are better able to ensure that elders are able to live that meaningful life. And so it is that we have empowered staff, meaningful life in rural home. And when you walk into a greenhouse home of 10 or 12, a private room centered around this kind of open concept home, you would swear you're in a real home. And to me, it's, it's, it doesn't feel anything like our traditional environments feel. Um, and it's just the place you or I would probably want to, you know, spend our, our later life or our life now should we need uh, long-term care. It really is a major transformation in the way that we provide long-term care Can you just tell us very briefly sort of the genesis of this significant shift that that Greenhouse represents? Sure, absolutely. This was, you know, giving tribute where tribute is due. Dr. Bill Thomas, a Harvard-educated geriatrician, was the medical director in upstate New York, walks into a nursing home to see one of the residents there who had a rash on her arm took a look at that and is ready to write something, an order in the chart. When she grabbed his arm and she said, so doctor, I am so lonely. And there was something about the way she said it that just really hit him. And it was, I think we all have call to action moments. That was his call to action moment. And he said, you know, the, the real affliction here is not the rash on her arm or any of the other diagnoses but it's more loneliness, helplessness, and boredom. And he said, to that, we've got to figure out what is the, what, what's the antidote to that. So he developed the Eden Alternative, and you know those 10 principles kind of went internationally, but there was something that Dr. Thomas noticed as he went across the country sharing his message of hope, and that is that these environments 
were aging more quickly than the people inside them? And what would the ideal environment be in which he could take those principles that are designed to infuse life and meaning into traditional environments? And what would the ideal environment be for those principles to really thrive? And he came up with the greenhouse model, which once again had really deinstitutionalized, really focused on, you know, taking a look at the physical structure. And so it was in 2003 that um, Tupelo, Mississippi became the birthplace of the first iteration of the greenhouse model. They built four greenhouse homes, uh, 10 elders in each home, 10 private rooms in each of those homes. And when they started doing the research on you know, the quality of life, the quality of care, family satisfaction, resident satisfaction, oh, and yes, workforce satisfaction, they realized that this was really a pretty incredible genius model. And so it was with funding from the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation that really enabled the replication initiative to take off. And I am kind of the, I would say, heir of mm. that initial initiative. Um, that initiative started in 2005. I joined in 2008. Robert Wood Johnson funding continued through 2018. But I think without that generous funding, without the visionary in Tupelo, Steve McAlilly, and without the visionary, Dr. Bill Thomas, you know, I'm not sure where we would be. But it really took that kind of leadership and that kind of faith that the foundation had in what this model was doing to really be able to support something that really has demonstrated there is a better way. Thank you, Susan. You know, it's it's a big change for for people to understand greenhouse versus traditional long-term care. I know here at the Jewish Home, we've we've been on this journey with your assistance for several years, and it's a mindset change. It's a physical mm-hmm. plant change. It's a cultural change. It's a language change. It's really an enormous undertaking. Can can you comment about just how dramatic a change that is for long-term care organizations? I think that's probably one of the most profound questions and really getting to the heart of what's at radical transformation, what's involved is what will really determine whether or not it's a quick fix or whether there's something that's more sustainable. And you rightly said it really requires a mindset shift. And I think that's where, as you know, better than anybody, it's really where our education, our training, our work with organizations begin. And it really is about shifting our thinking, shifting our beliefs, and really addressing and developing the self-awareness to understand what are some of those beliefs that we have held I mean, as a previous director of nursing, I am a nurse at heart, after all. I can tell you that my institution or my default is that institutional way of thinking and approaching what we do for elders. So really coming to terms with what needs to shift in terms of our beliefs about what do we believe about elders in long-term care? What do we believe about who they are? What do we believe about how we really best ensure they have a meaningful life. So beliefs, mindset shift are first. 
you talked about words, and I often say words are the fruit of our thoughts. So what we're thinking, what we're, our belief system, our mindsets, and then how we speak, you know, I think we've got to, words matter after all. I can't help but think of the um, Amanda Gorman, and when she was doing an interview with the Anderson Cooper, I thought, she's my girl. She's talking about how much words matter and how important it is to really come to terms with what we're saying, how we're saying, and how we're referring to what we do. We don't refer to those in nursing homes um, as patients. We might say residents, and we might say elder, but something that would really, our words matter. Um, similarly, you know, when we think about uh, our direct care staff, what will we call those that are delivering care? What are we calling the place in which uh, residents or elders are living? Is it a facility? I don't want to live in a facility. It's not the institution, certainly. And is it really a home? And can we create a real home? And so it's that whole shift. It's that whole reframe mindset. Words matter. And then it's the commensurate education that really ensures that we are equipping our teams with the knowledge, the education, the skills that they need to be able to go and do differently. So it's not just focused on the behaviors we want to shift, but really thinking the underlying beliefs, words, and then last but not least, and what are the systems that need to change to support a new way of being, a new way of caring. And I think that's fundamental to success. But you can't just say, well, I'll take behaviors and I'll focus on the things that want to shift. I want to shift or change because that's not slip-resistant change. And you're likely to just, as I said, it's my institutional default. I just kind of go there unless I'm intentional and create systems and structures and um, to ensure that change sticks and that my thinking is going to a new place. Well said. I think um, it is easy to think or to assume that this is simple to implement, and it is definitely not. Um, I had the opportunity to become a core trainer, the basic program of Mm -hmm. Greenhouse that Mm -hmm. every one of our staff working in Greenhouse Homes is going to do. And with me for that five days of intensive training was Eric Regero, who's the director of nursing here at the at the Jewish Home at Rockley and really our greenhouse champion for the whole organization. And I remember some point during probably the morning of the second day when the two of us looked at each other um, during training and said, you know, this is far more than we even thought. And both of us would have said we were true believers, you know, but this... Right. This isn't just, okay, we'll just do this. You know, this is, we. it's a multi-level, highly complex and sophisticated process to end up with a result that is that appears to be simple and natural and, of course, you want to do it this way. But to get to that point, it's incredibly, it's incredibly layered. You know, you're talking about changing people's belief system. You're talking about changing staff Mm -hmm. who have been um, task-oriented from the day they started, 20 years, 25 years of being task-oriented, who have to step away from being task-oriented and think about, wait a minute, this is not my role anymore. I'm looking at the elder as a whole human being who Mm -hmm. gets, gets Mm -hmm. gets to make the choices and 
it is it is really really sweeping i think Doing the greenhouse training and being involved in it changes the whole way you look at aging uh, if you're doing it really fully and embracing it. Well, I love what you said about the, well, the layers, the complexity, and how much deeper it really is. It, it's not just the quick fix change for sure. I think the other thing that I really appreciated about what you said, and that really is looking at the whole person, um, that's person is not just their diagnosis or even just their care needs, but who they are psychosocially speaking. And it, it's so much bigger. And I think the other thing I often call the information does not equal transformation. And so it's not even just throwing a lot of education at people or information, but it really is thinking, what is that knowledge doing gap? And how do we learn to really apply knowledge? And we're not going to be able to do that unless we've had the, those layers that you talked about, unless we're addressing the layers and unless we're really going deeply to get into our mindsets and into those beliefs and into figuring out what are the systems that we are currently operating within that, that need to change in order to support the vision that we have for a better way of providing care. Absolutely. I think one of the things this past year that has been so incredibly striking, I, I guess two, two pieces of this. One is that, you know, our um, nursing home building still is in a traditional model, although we are certainly philosophically moving towards greenhouse. And we saw two things. One, we saw that the deep knowing that we do in greenhouse made a huge difference in protecting the health of our elders. Second, we saw that, you know, task orientation, what you called that, you know, sort of institutional default did, did kick mm -hmm. in of necessity. But third, and the, the thing I really want you to comment on is that great, true greenhouse homes had a much better experience with COVID from an outcomes perspective than did traditional long-term care settings. And I think that makes a powerful case for greenhouse. Can you comment on that, Susan? So, you know, I think in my heart as a nurse, once again, I've always thought the greenhouse model is the best um, mitigation against virus penetration and, and whatever flu season, whatever might be lurking. And, you know, the private rooms, private baths, and those sorts of things always just made sense from an infection, purely infection control, just looking at it through that lens. When the pandemic hit, I happened to be at a conference uh, it was early March, and it was actually the last trip that I was, uh, I was making. I haven't traveled since then, but nevertheless, I remember making a comment because I was on a panel and the other person on the panel was the CEO of a, a traditional nursing home, albeit a good nursing home, um, high quality. But I remember he his rushing off and he said, I've got to do everything I can as a leader to address this crisis. And I remember in my heart and I made statements that I later reflected and I thought, oh my gosh, was that just, was I speaking foolishly? Because I said, I believe that this greenhouse model is made for the moment mm. and that no matter what this pandemic is threatening to do, I believe it is built with private rooms, private baths. 
I believe the access to outside, I believe the consistent staffing, the universal worker. And I started ticking off all the reasons that I thought from my thinking at that very naive perspective or point in time, um, why I thought the model was made for the moment. And in, oh gosh, as the pandemic roared and was hitting high quality homes and it was just something we had never seen the likes of. I just thought, I hope I'm right. And I started reaching out one by one to some CEOs of greenhouse homes and they kept saying, fingers crossed, no COVID cases yet. Mm. So it was in April, Dr. Cheryl Zimmerman from University of North Carolina reached out. She says, my gut says greenhouse is doing better. Wow. And I said, my gut too. And the anecdotal data I have says that is a true statement. And she says, well, let's work together and let's really develop the methodology to be able to compare greenhouse with CMS reported data. So at the end of May, by this time, CMS had um, put together their methodology and, and the requirement for reporting uh, cases and mortality rates were being required of CMS. And so that's when we started our, we launched our data collection. So our first collection was February through May and then monthly, and we continue to collect data monthly. And so uh, Dr. Zimmerman and her research team did an incredibly deep dive analysis to really take a look at the number of COVID cases, and they drilled down to the geographical area in which the greenhouse home was located, compared it to nursing homes with less than 60 beds and nursing homes greater than 60 beds. And they did the same for mortality rates. And they found in, in the data that they collected, really, it ended up looking at a swath of data from February through the end of July. Um, their research has been accepted to be published in JAMTA, and it should go live in a couple weeks. So really, stay tuned for the actual results. But I can tell you it was significantly better. Wow. And as we watched cases throughout the CMS comparison, uh, data, just, you know, number of greenhouse um, cases per 1,000 residents compared to CMS, 1,000 res per 1,000 residents, and the same with mortality rates. In all cases, even when there were surges towards the end of the year, we've kind of collected it now through the end of 2020, and just really happy and proud to say that in all cases, uh, greenhouse homes fared far better. And I think the other thing that's pretty cool is that occupancy rates. Um, also, the greenhouse homes were far better able to retain a healthy occupancy rate amid the pandemic. So it just, um, yeah, I, I feel just so overwhelmingly blessed with a model that uh, just had the fortitude. There was a, a visionary that just said there, it can be better. And in fact, in the hardest of times, it has demonstrated it doesn't mean COVID didn't happen there. It doesn't mean that death didn't occur there, but far less. Yeah. And um, I mean, death mortalities occurred in every community across the country, not just long-term care communities, sure. as well as cases. It, that's incredibly powerful information. It really, you know, it's sort of one of those cases when um, 
doing the right thing is the right thing on every level. Right, it's, right. You know, we're right. doing a better thing for elders. We're doing a better thing truly for our staff. We're doing a better thing for families and quality of life. And lo and behold, at the end of the day, the better thing translates into better, better not just emotional and psychosocial, but also health outcomes. And that's extraordinary. Mm. Well so, said. Susan, my friend, we are out of time, and I know you and I could do an hour and still not run out of things to talk about, but I hope that you'll come back and be our guest again, and as always, it's such a pleasure to talk to you and to really hear about the wonderful things that you are doing and that Greenhouse is doing. Thank you for everything you do. Thank you for being such a friend to us, and and thank you for sharing your time with us today. Oh, Carol, thank you. It was such an honor and uh, ditto back to you. I appreciate your leadership and, and all that you've contributed to our great work. Rise, all of the children rise, elders with wisdom rise, ancestors surround us rise.